0: In the words of Jimmy Cliff, I can see clearly now, and this is the Fat Man Chronicles. I was not hiding. I was unsure. And I- Welcome to episode 132 of Fat Man Chronicles, FMC Run Chicago, Chapter 4. I'm Pete, and with me is Dave, and we are a couple of middle-aged dads on the journey to conquer the Chicago Marathon. How the heck are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Pete. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I think we got a lot to talk about this episode. Yeah, and uh, I mean maybe we'll touch on some new topics. Maybe I mean <laughs> we've we still got to hit some of the stuff we've been talking about because I think we're both on that journey, and we've gotten a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I both have gotten feedback on how that transparency is helping some people kind of uh, think about things and and confront you know certain topics, especially the. The alcohol discussion. We actually got an email that I had missed uh, from a couple of uh, episodes ago that, you know, they talked about, uh, you know, basically thanking us for talking about alcohol in a way that it isn't just alcoholism and addiction, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those are extremely important topics that need to be destigmatized and, you know, still have a lot of research and treatment given to them. But there's this huge swath of the population, if you think about a bell curve, right? And we're kind of, you know, maybe on a tail that it isn't quite yet to any kind of addiction or, or big, big, big problem, but still alcohol impacts us. So, you know, jumping right into the serious stuff. But I, anyway, you yeah, know, it, it's kind of interesting, though, to get that feedback. And people, it's been more than one person who's who said that. Mm-hmm. And and I get it a lot as well, because
1: no one there is no middle ground for alcohol, right? Like drugs, it's you don't. It's not something that's as free in society. Um, like marijuana is changing now, and it's more recreation. They're beginning to discuss it as a recreational use here. There's medical benefits for it. Um, But with alcohol, there's not that middle ground. Like, it's not as cut and dry as heroin, cocaine, meth, all that stuff. And there's so much money in alcohol that it really is everywhere. Like, I can't watch a cooking show on the Food Network where with every meal that they make, there's not a drink to accompany it. You watch the Super Bowl. So it really hit me the other day when I was watching the... um, uh, the Rams Super Bowl or when the Hawks win the Stanley Cup those guys are looked up to by so many kids and all of their like championships like hockey players are notorious drinkers and partiers and all these kids are seeing it and I just think that alcohol is a much tougher conversation because it's so prevalent and no one has that conversation and especially now coming out of COVID it's like two years of people who's Alcohol increased two hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it it, it's culturally acceptable, right? I mean, it's been around forever. You know, if you go back, I mean, yeah, you go back, think biblical, right? Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a part of that culture for probably a different reason, right? Water wasn't as sanitary, so alcohol kind of helped with some of that wine, right? Uh, In particular, and I've been in the industry for you know, the better part of 18 years now in one way or another. So for me, it wasn't only culturally acceptable. It was how I make a living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at times it it's a tough thing for me to kind of bridge because I do believe, so I finished, by the way, I maybe this is a good place to say, I finished this naked mind. Mm-hmm. And in there, you know, alcohol is basically only, only demonized right and and I get where she's coming from you know it's supposed to be a different approach and it has definitely worked for a lot of people it just wasn't for me but what it right. did help me do is it opened my mind to reading a lot more or thinking about reading a lot more that I don't agree with like I need to do more of that mm-hmm. from all aspects of my life I think that we kind of end up with tunnel vision when we just ignore others thoughts and opinions And, uh, you know, there's parts of that book that I think could help a lot of people. There's also some parts that are just, I I, I mean, they're just flat out wrong, right? She misquotes uh, some studies, which, you know, shame on the editor for for not catching that. Um, You know, I went to the source material because it just didn't sound right. But that, that's kind of, I, I really wish she would have just left it out because her basic point is, is a good one. Like, mm-hmm. fix your relationship with alcohol. And I think that's what you and I are trying to do. We're not necessarily saying like, hey, having a drink is bad for everybody. I'm not even sure we're trying to say having a, a drink is bad for us. We're trying to say our relationship with alcohol is such that when we partake in it too often, it just doesn't help what we're trying to accomplish.
1: A hundred percent is, and I think that's what I took. I haven't, since we last talked, I haven't really listened to, to the audio book any more than I had already got to at that point. And one of the things she said in the book that there's only 2 million people in AA in this country. And I think out of 368 million people, There's a lot more people who have alcohol issues than just two million, in my opinion. And I think she's trying to come up with another way for people who AA doesn't work for, for whatever reasons. And so I think that's where she's coming from. And when I got the um, companion book, it talks about what's your why. Why do you want to stop drinking? And all that stuff. And it was very easy for me to see that it's not a question of alcoholism for me. It's a question of relationship. Like, is having a drink on a Wednesday night that's not affecting anything in my life at that moment in time? Like, I'm not waking up and taking alcohol in the shower with me or anything like that. But is my... do? I don't need that. I'm very happy drinking my tea... And how, is there any benefit to it? No. Is it keeping me from attaining what I want? Yes. But can I go out on a Saturday night with Ferka and have a drink at a restaurant and not turn into my life is going to fall apart and I'm going to be a blackout drunk? And I think that's what that book did for me is just kind of opened up my eyes to be like hey that's who do I really want to be on the inside and is this helping me get there at soon to be 51 years old
0: yeah I mean I think that her point right is and it's a it's a great one is that we can make the conscious decision not to drink but are we making the unconscious decision not to drink right. and at first I couldn't quite understand that but eventually I came around and it's that mindless like I'm Perfect example. Saturday, we had our dinner club or supper club with our friends, right? There's there's uh, five couples that get together. We rotate houses, cook, have a theme. Uh, mm-hmm. There's always alcohol, right? Both uh, hard liquor and copious amounts of wine, you can imagine with me around, uh, that there's plenty of that to to be had. So we had that on Saturday, and I... We'll get to kind of the the other piece in a, in a minute, but I'll just concentrate on the alcohol part. I went into that knowing that everybody around me was gonna was gonna be drinking. Now we're all you know in our forties and, and early fifties, so nobody's drinking. Nobody's an alcoholic, and nobody's drinking like to the point where they're blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. Some people have a little bit and get a little bit happier than others. That's going to happen. And I've been that person most of the time I went into that dinner telling myself consciously uh, that I don't I don't want to drink here. And there's health reasons behind that. I could have and I would have been fine having Mm -hmm. one or or two uh, like I did the previous week. But in this in this case, I kind of wanted to experiment and you know, if it wouldn't have been for the book, I'm not sure I would have. So, you know, that's the good part about, you know, what comes out of reading anything like this. I decided not to drink. I didn't drink. I was the only one that didn't have any. Now, I think everybody was pretty reasonable um, Mm -hmm. overall, but I had zero for first time and I can't tell you how long. And it was interesting because I thought, well, will I be quieter? Will I be well, no, I was just myself, right, and probably said less stupid shit than <laughs> I normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, in that in this case, right, so it was interesting because I don't normally do that. Normally, I'm popping bottles, having you know a try, a swig, uh, glasses. I want to try everything. That's just how it is. And uh, I think that's
1: uh, I, I think there you, there's an argument and a conversation of habit and addiction. And I don't think they're the same thing.
0: Yeah, she definitely brings that up. Yeah. I mean cuz unconscious drinking is habit, right? Not necessarily mm-hmm. addiction. And that's just it. You've got to bring those unconscious grab, just grab the bottle, grab a drink to the consciousness, right? You cuz eventually you've got to make a decision. But you've just right. got to make those decisions habit is I don't normally drink or I don't drink that much.
1: Right. And your career, what you know, as a wine guy, it's grab the bottle open it up someone comes in or you're going to somewhere to sell it so the whole the whole start of your conversation work-wise is grab this bottle open it up let me tell you about it pour a glass swig talk about tannins and all that stuff so your whole you know here's the legs on a glass of wine but it's developing that habit so when you're socializing your friends come over, hey, let's grab a glass of wine, open it up, pour a glass, and you're going to talk about it. And then the night starts.
0: Right. And so the I've always struggled with this in this industry because you're making a really interesting point here. I... Is my job, right? My job is to sell you as much alcohol as you want mm-hmm. within a re, within reason. And since I'm not a bar... You're taking it home. My job is to sell you cases of wine, not bottles of wine, if I can, right? Right. Based on what you want, but there's no need. The need for wine is zero, right? right? So I'm selling a want, a luxury, and my entire career was based on getting people to drink more, more, not less. And I'm not advocating anybody drink more or less, and I never really have. I want you to do what you want to do as long as it doesn't negatively impact you and those around you. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good discussion. How have you been with the alcohol subject? You know what? It really,
1: it, the last two weeks, just talking about it and acknowledging that I probably drink too much has been like a load off my shoulder. Right. Like, I'm no longer um, like having the argument with myself. Am I drinking too much? Is it keeping me from what I want to do? Like I've accepted that, so the 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 ease of changing that relationship has been much easier. Has it been two years? No, it's been two weeks, which is fine. Like I went to the liquor store the other day to buy some stuff for Friday night shots. For and I went to the little airplane bottle section. I didn't go to the big bottle section. So did I have to make a conscious thought of, hey, I'm not buying anything when I'm here? Yes. Was it super difficult? No. Did I drink my decaf Earl Grey tea while Ferrica did my amazing concoction this weekend? Yes. So it's been a much easier two weeks. when I, I've gone twice in the last... Um, couple of years, I went six months without drinking and my village and the people around me were extremely supportive. So I, I don't, I never had any issues with that or it was never a surprise. If I went to a friend's house and I was drinking, um, um, seltzer water, like, uh, I was trying to think of a brand, but uh, LaCroix, whatever it was, it, no one questioned it. Right. You know, I had my cigar, or my pipe and we're sitting by the fire and my friends were drinking and some weren't drinking. And it was just, you know, an evening. So it's been it's been um, much easier this time for the last couple of weeks.
0: Nice. Yeah. I guess, you know, to wrap up this part of it before we kind of transition, I do want to talk about diet and eating a little bit before we get to some training talk. I want to just let everybody know who's thinking about the relationship with alcohol. You're not alone and Mm. you have permission to not drink. And if people give you a hard time, um, you just tell them they can reach out to me or David and we'll give them the business because we're not (laughs) putting up with this, right? We got to be supportive, like your tribe's supportive. Everybody needs that support. And if you're in a relationship where that's difficult, that's outside our purview, Uh, but you, you probably want to think about like how to handle that because it's important when your spouse or your partner, um, is the one saying to you like, Hey, you know, I need you to take a drink. Right. Um, just know you're not alone. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest message. Truth. Awesome. All right. So I got to talk a little bit about health and wellness, uh, and food a little bit. I mean, we did plenty of that last time we got really good feedback overall mm-hmm. um, you know i didn't really get any negativity out of that i thought we might get some blowback but not not too bad so no uh and i and i think people are uh i think the food
1: wars are kind of over at this point now we're on to like masks and you know there's new topics to argue and fight over with you know your your friends and i really think people are just like look eat the way you want to eat Right. Like when we had our first podcast together, you were eating a different way and your reasons for how you ate were to better yourself and to feel better. And the re- like the reasons why we were doing what we were doing were the same. Yeah. Right. And we just took a different road to get there. And I think now people have a much greater mutual respect for, hey, we're all trying to get to the same point.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I still think that influencers, people who live in this quote unquote diet culture and that's where they make their living. I think that they've got to stir up problems where there may Mm. not be any. Uh, And so we just have to be on the lookout for that. Uh, So the day after we recorded, I went in for blood work and it had been three months since my first set of blood work. And I, you know, the the interesting part is, man, this blood work comes back fast. So by that night, I knew what most of my blood work said. Mm -hmm. And by Wednesday morning, I had an appointment for noon on that same day to talk to the doctor. And my blood work came back uh, and it was not good. So the way that I kind of looked at this is, you know, like that first set of blood work I got was like the alarm going off in the morning right? Like Mm -hmm. it startles you. You're like determined, like, all right, I'm going to, I got to get up and start my day. But you know, that snooze alarm looks pretty good. (laughs) So like you tap that snooze, right? But you're, you're like half in and half out of sleep. You're not fully in. And that's how I was with my lifestyle. I was kind of half in and half out, right? And when I got that second bit of blood work, it was like the snooze alarm went off, and now I've got a choice. I can either get out of bed, go to work and not get fired, or I mm-hmm. can stay in bed and get fired from, from work, right? I don't want to get fired from life. So I've got, you know, it was like, okay, that's your snooze. Like you hit the snooze, but now this is like, it, it's it, right? And right. when I talked to the doctor, he's like, yeah, that's, you know, you we're going to up your medications going to add you on another medication. And uh, I said, I I didn't want more medication. I want Mm -hmm. less, right? So that's a problem. And uh, so that that Wednesday, I had already kind of made the choice Tuesday after I got the blood work. I made the choice to immediately start, not put it off. So I started immediately with uh, going back to the things that I know work for me. Mm -hmm. And I've always done really well with intermittent fasting. I know not everybody does. And I'm not advocating people do it if they don't think it's healthy. I understand some people think you need to eat way more often. Not a problem. For me, intermittent fasting works. So I went immediately back to that. I got the Zero app re-downloaded. And I started on that. The second piece of it is the drastic change that I made is I have... All but eliminated processed foods. Mm. My my problem isn't that I don't like to eat vegetables and lean protein and fruit. My problem is I love to eat those and then have a bowl of ice cream, some Girl Scout cookies, cake. Mm-hmm. My my and and instead of eating lean protein after I've done that, the next day I like to go get you know a double cheeseburger and uh, you know fries. And maybe, you know, I'll throw in the shake because, you know, why not? My problem is the processed food segment. That's my issue. So what I told myself is I would fast as, as best I can for 16 hours. And I'll circle back to this. I will not eat processed foods most of the time if, you know, as close to all as I can. But that's what triggered it for me. I was spending so much time and energy and trying to be perfect, Dave, that I forgot that it's the enemy of the good. And I would i would lose myself as soon as I went off perfect, I decided subconsciously probably, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, forget about it. So now I, the way I'm phrasing it is instead of perfect, I want to be pretty darn good right like i, I just i want to be as close to perfect as i can without having that be the goal right cuz i think
1: when you look for trying to be perfect if you're not then it's a failure and you punish yourself which de- derails the whole process in itself
0: yeah i saw a great meme about this and it had like a light switch on off and then it had like one of those like dimmer switches you know from bad to perfect, right? We don't live in an on off world. Like I but in our heads I think we do. And I think we have so many influencers out there that have told us this and so many people that have said, well, you know, you you ate a cookie. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Is it is it bad or is it just like oh, I I probably shouldn't do that too often. Right. And right?
1: the the science and research and the billions of dollars that go into that cookie to hit all those receptors in your brain that you're like oh man i need another cookie or oh man i need this salty processed thing right is we're now and i talked about this um uh thing from england that i saw and they put uh it was a circle of like since 1980 till now the process of whole real food and it was not a plant-based but it was you know like meat Vegetable perimeter of the grocery store kind of thing, and what percentage of families ate in 1980 compared to the processed level of foods, and it's it went from like an 80 20 of whole real food and processed food to 80 percent processed food and 20 percent in that 40 years, and that's where like the process that's the same way that we battle those habits with alcohol is the same things that we're dealing with now with food and all those triggers and the uh, like the the um, what's the word I'm looking for serotonin response and all that from the food that we eat there's so much science in that food it's impossible right, right. to fight against it at some point.
0: Yeah, the dopamine response. I think yeah, is, yeah, 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 is what you're looking for there. Yeah, I mean, my brother and I were just talking about this. I'm gonna get back to that that dinner party in a minute, but uh, my brother and I were just talking about this. The one unintended consequence of the in, inflationary era that we're in right now this this big uptick in inflation is that whole foods and processed foods are becoming closer together in price. As an example, like, you know, I said, you know, a a McDonald's filet of fish, like value meal, right? Combo meal is like nine bucks now. Well, for $9, I can buy a boatload of vegetables at Aldi, right? Some Mm -hmm. decent lean protein. And I could have two or three meals, maybe even four or five if I really watch it. Right. And I could feed my family on that nine bucks or I can buy one value meal. That's shifted, right? That value meal used to be $5, not all that long ago. And the vegetables and fruit and uh, lean meats were so expensive in comparison that it was like cheaper to go to McDonald's, right? So we're seeing more parity there, um, which I think is an interesting phenomenon. And and I, for one, am taking advantage of it. Uh, You know, I'm also growing some hydroponic lettuce right now, too, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. It's almost ready to harvest its first time so in three weeks it's crazy um but uh anyway so that dinner party dude friends there's a theme the theme was italian yes. italian night right so there's um uh, uh chicken salting so mm-hmm. that's delicious uh There was these vegetables um, that had some bacon and uh, other uh, like some Parmesan and some other, you know, deliciousness in it. Uh, There was some risotto and then like a turkey, uh, I mean, not a turkey, a uh, chicken, um, like fettuccine of some sort, you know, that -hmm. that was cooked up. And in a dessert, a tiramisu cake. So uh, like a take on tiramisu so I went in with a plan. My <laughs> My plan was I wasn't going to drink. Mm-hmm. There was a charcuterie board to, you know, start out the night, bread and and nice, you know, cheese and, and charcuterie meats. Uh, I wasn't going to partake in that. I had just decided up front I wouldn't eat the preliminary. Mm-hmm. But I would – because she didn't – you know, like they didn't cook any of that, right? Like they didn't make right. any of that. They just – Got it, right? Mm-hmm. But the stuff that was cooked, the meal itself and the dessert, I would eat, but I would concentrate on the protein part, the vegetable part. Oh, and there was potatoes too, like an Italian seasoned Parmesan mm-hmm. potato. Uh, I would And I would eat that stuff, concentrating on those pieces of it, but I would partake in all of it, including the dessert. In the past, after a dinner like this, I would have gained about two pounds in bloat the next day.
1: Right. Oh yeah. And right. slept for 18 hours.
0: and It felt like <laughs> junk. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I followed my plan. I ate every single item that was uh, presented at dinner, including the dessert. and But I kept to the no drinking and the no charcuterie as much as it was killing me on both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and felt great the next morning. And actually continued on my, lo- you know, this beginning of weight loss is all bloat, right? I continued mm-hmm. on that journey. So I didn't, not only did I not gain or maintain, I actually lost after eating that. Now that was eating later. So it kind of got me off the fasting thing, right? Like the exact time frame I wanted. But again, on there, I'm only just trying to be smart about it. I'm not trying to be perfect about it. So, I was able to end my fast the next day in, a, in the way that I wanted to. And, dude, I counted that as like the biggest victory because I, we had a great time. We were like all, we were, for some reason, we got on the topic of like old and nostalgic TV and TV mm-hmm. theme songs. And like we were going around just like we, were, we would sing the part of a theme song and try to guess the show. And like, yeah, we had, yeah. A, we had a great time.
1: I, I, I'm laughing. You could see me smiling, but yeah. I saw, uh, a video. I don't know why it popped up on Facebook, but it was the full, like, three minutes and 41 seconds of the Banana Splits.
0: Oh, yeah, the Banana Splits, song. baby. And it was so... One banana, so, two banana, three... Yeah, yeah, it
1: was so entertaining. And, like,
0: immediately,
1: like, I knew every word. I could see the pictures. It was so fun just watching that video of, like... The generation of stoner TV that millions of kids grew up watching was so, it was just an incredible, like for three minutes, I was truly just so happy uh, watching that video. And I don't know what I was looking at that it caused it to pop up.
0: That's awesome. Hey, as a really young kid, were you an early riser? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there. this guy, I brought this up. When we were kids on on CBS WBBM at like five thirty or something in the morning on Sunday, there was a show called The Magic Door. Mm-hmm. That was a Jewish program, like taught you like a like a uh, a lesson in Judaism and had a Hebrew word of the day. Do you remember that?
1: I, I know I don't remember the show because I was probably watching the uh, aerobic jazzercise. <laughs> <laughs> programs <laughs> uh, i think it was out of florida state i remember and i went to private jewish day school so i got my fill of the jewish word of the day and all that stuff yeah, yeah. but i do remember um i know the name of the show but i don't really have any other yeah. memories uh, you know other than that but i do remember uh trish or trisha from zoom who had the big hoop earrings like that was just Brain, he, they don't, kids today, they have no clue.
0: Oh, I know. Well, and right after Magic Door came on, New Zoo Review. Oh, so, yeah. Um, you know, with like, the Great Space Coaster. Yeah, all that stuff, man. It was so good. It, But it was funny because I had to ask you because like a, a bunch of us that are, are, you know, grew up Christian remember the Magic Door and like none of my Jewish friends remember it. Yeah. And it was nah. like, it was like a Jewish program aimed, I think, aimed towards Almost may, maybe aim towards Christian kids, like probably. So like we would know at least a little bit about, you know, Jewish culture and and uh, you know he you know the Hebrew words and stuff. It was just it, like it got brought up, and I'm like, oh, I got to ask Dave about that.
1: Yeah, so. no, I I went to uh, public school. I went to Rogers School in West Rogers Park uh, for kindergarten, and then I went to private Jewish day school through uh, first through eighth grade. So I went to school with like the same thirty two kids so like I had enough of the whole like you know, <laughs> I was more I wanted to join the Marine Corps, not like the
0: whole I wasn't into it. So um Yeah, I mean I'm talking really small. Like I remember watching this when I was like five, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah So But uh, uh Go ahead.
1: So I was just I was just gonna take it back to your um to your blood work. It was there anything new and of course you don't have to go deep yeah in the personal but was like you talked about your uh, um, uh, pre-diabetic stuff, was there anything new? Oh no, no, or no it's like, not pre-diabetic. dude.
0: I'm full on diabetic, right? Like, so, so what
1: was the what did you did, was there something new that came out in the blood work, or just kind of confirmed, like the the uh, the radar detecting of hey, if we don't really do this full on, this is going to happen. I guess yeah. is what I'm.
0: Yeah, I get it. Totally get it. Yeah. So, um, those numbers, so I, for, after the first blood test, I went on a small dose, like a one pill, like 500 milligrams or whatever it is, dose of metformin, which Mm -hmm. is kind of the typical entry level drug for diabetes. Right. Um, and so I went on that and that should, in, in essence, that should do something. Right. Well, it didn't. the the A one C and glucose numbers were basically exactly the same. So I had no movement there. My cholesterol didn't get better, and my triglycerides went way up. Interesting. And so whatever I was doing, I was I did about half the time probably where I was really good, and about half the time where I just didn't care, mm-hmm. and that and that didn't work. So. That the trigger was not only did things not improve, but one part triglycerides got like significantly worse. Yeah. And I don't want that, man. That's like fatty liver stuff and, you know, metabolic syndrome, you know, poster child sitting here. Right. So, and I have history in my family of of diabetes problems and stuff. So I'm not only, I'm going against genetics as well as Mm -hmm. environment. So I've got to really hone in. Uh, and so that was the trigger to say, like, "Hey, like, y- you've just got to fix it." And you know, he gave—he didn't really give a weight goal, right? Um, but you know, in in talking, you could a- allude to like, like, you've got to lose about thirty pounds, give or take, right?
1: You know, and, and, I, and I and I I think that's a given, right? Yeah. That I they're gonna—I don't say they're gonna—I don't think they're gonna. And for the record, I haven't been to a doctor. And, two years, so my grand, I have an, uh, an appointment um, the first week of March for a, a cardiologist, so I'm kind of nervous about that. I'm not really nervous about that, but it kind of makes you think, but, um, but walking into the door, they're going to tell me I have to lose weight, right? Sure, sure. No, thanks, Doc. No kidding. I'm glad you went to 20 years of medical school to tell me that I, I need to lose weight
0: yeah yeah I think that the interesting part about the doctor here is he's not saying like weight is the reason um he's saying it's a kind of a symptom right like mm-hmm. it's a it's a result if you will of the way that I've chosen to to live right along with genetics. my cholesterol may may never go down because of genetics I don't know right like but I was eating yeah. pretty pretty crappy, so I mean eating more vegetables can't hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if it doesn't help, okay. Now I know that it's more of a genetic component, right? But but the whole thing, Dave, comes down to this. Self-honesty, which is something I started this podcast with, you know, four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed. I'm not always self-honest. And I wasn't being honest with myself when I'm eating half in and half out. And oh yeah, I've improved. Well, sort of, but not really. Yeah. And the worst thing that I can do with my weight, and the doctor did, you know, make sure that this was known, right? Like, is you can't yo-yo. It's it. For me, he's like, it's worse. For a lot of people, yo-yoing is worse than kind of steady state. 100%. So, you know, I, I have to decide if I want to be lighter. And, and the answer is yes. I mean, I want to run faster because it's more fun to run faster for me. Um, mm-hmm. The event is just more enjoyable, and if I slow down and I'm lighter, then it's just I'm in better shape when I get done. So, you know, I didn't intend to talk about this this much, but I think it's important that we continue to touch on it. Hopefully, it'll become less and less over time. Um, yeah, I
1: think self-honesty is, is key, and there's there used to be a, radio, a sports show in Chicago that I listened to, and one of the segments was Who You Crap It, right? <laughs> and now who am I crapping Is myself? Like, who am I kidding? I'm kidding myself. And you have a younger kid, like I do. Michaela is younger than Braden. But if I'm going to be self-honest with myself, the issue is he's a big player in my whole big picture, right? And I know for a fact that he looks at me differently now that I'm the 300 pound driver to all his events that I'm not participating with him then when we used to weightlift together we used to run together and do all that stuff and he is surpassed me by any point in my life he is far surpassed what I've ever accomplished and he's only 12 right like I graduated boot camp and you know, the fire academy and all this stuff and graduated paramedic school. But I never had the grades that he did. I'd never had the athletic ability that he has. And I really, not only do I want to make myself healthier to make myself proud, but I want him to be proud of me again. And that self-honesty of who am I kidding is that's where – this a lot my motivate like what's my why and i just want to be i'm a dad that he can look up to in many ways and in many
0: ways he just shakes his head at me right yeah so i think two things there one Braden's focus and determination is an inspiration to even people who don't really even know him yet right mm-hmm. uh, including myself i mean i just watch the way he goes about things, and you know, from what you post and share, and I just, I, I really admire the kid for it. I mean, he really is focused and and wants to accomplish some big things. And second, I, I'm glad that you said that at the end because he's he's still proud of you. He's proud that you're his dad, and he doesn't have these things without you and Farica, right? So a hundred percent, he is right. Weight doesn't define you, and I think that that's part. Of, that's the part of this whole thing that i'm trying to accept personally right because mm-hmm. it seems like there's this war at times between like fat shaming and you know you know weight loss culture and diet culture and i think that you can be accepting of who you are in a moment but still want to lose weight
1: yeah I, i'm not sure
0: I, those two things are mutually exclusive even though i think a lot of people kind of put it out there that they are you know right
1: and it and it and- Deep inside, and we've—you've probably known this about me—but I have a very low level of self-worth, and I, I feel purposeless right now. So a lot of like my last two years, like that uh, uh, inner critic, self-worth thing, has has tanked. So a lot of um, what my inner battles are is 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 that, right, is my I no sense of purpose and no self-worth. And um there are many uh reasons or many ways that I don't like myself and I don't understand how right what well, you said that Braden is a product of Fair I is why can I do all these things and work Brayden's meals and his nutrition and all that stuff. Why can I do that for him? But I can't, we'll probably need a whole nother podcast of why I can't do that for me, but I can do it for him. And now it's like that, um, inner, uh, change of, I can, if I can do it for him, I can do it for me.
0: Dude. I think that we should unpack that, in you know, like a whole episode. <laughs> I mean like that, that's a big one, right? I mean, yeah. And it, it seems like it's coincided where you, I'm gonna put words in your mouth for a second, and mm-hmm. then you can tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, it seems like when you first stepped away from being an EMT, the the purpose got clearer, and over time that got foggy. Uh, you know, for you, because I remember like when you made that change, and it was very good for you mentally, mm-hmm. right? Like you fixed the mental, and eventually. I think you, this has happened to me, right? Where you fix the mental so well that it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? They're, like it's too good. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get like happy and complacent and then the old habits kind of start creeping back in and eventually we're kind of back to square one with parts that we had kind of fixed, right? Weight right. and health and running and uh, biking, hiking, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, at least that's from an outsider's perspective, right? I mean, we joke all the time. We barely know each other, right? We yeah. know each other online, like we don't grow up together, we're not hanging out daily, right? <laughs> but we talk enough. I mean, we probably talk to mm-hmm. each other outside of our spouses as much as anybody.
1: Oh, so, yeah, I don't talk to anyone as much as I talk to to you. Other you like Ferric and brain don't count. But right. literally, outside of those two, I there's no one I talk to more than I talked to you. And when I walked away from the fire department, um, if I had a, if I, if I worked for a more progressive fire department or a larger department, I worked for a very small department, I would still be in the fire service. There was nowhere for me to go in that fire department. And the only option was to stay and suffer at 308 pounds with a blood pressure of 160 over 100, drinking a half a bottle of booze a day. I could, I was six years away from a full pension from them. I could stay and be miserable and probably not make it those six years. I definitely wouldn't have made it through COVID, through everything that they had to go through within the department. Like, I, I, you know, the COVID itself wouldn't have been. A factor for me. I wouldn't have made it if I didn't leave the department. And that year after leaving uh, the department was amazing for me, right? It was like a, a, you know, a flower in the springtime that, you know, was cold and dreary. And then the, the sun came out and a little bit of rain and it just blossomed. And then the second part of COVID just, I reverted right back into everything. And I don't really know why. Like I definitely like my 20 years in the back of an ambulance as a paramedic filled a purpose, but it wasn't what I thought my purpose was. I've always felt like I was uh, placed here for a reason and I was destined to be a certain thing that I never achieved. And now I just feel like a, a wanderer and I never took any steps for that. What do you do if you don't? Right. I never planned for post fire department because I was in the fire department for so long. I just figured I'd retire, get my pension, my social security. And when that ended early, I have no idea what to do. And now it's been with COVID, it's been so nice to have the opportunity to be there for Braden when he was, you know, at home or his activities. And now he's getting ready to go to high school. He's a year and a half away from high school. He don't need me anymore, you know, for all the things that I've been doing while he was younger. I don't need to do that anymore. Right. I don't need to take him to practices and do all that stuff because he's already at practice. Right. So now I'm like, I'm a wanderer. Like, what do I do? I don't have an education. I don't have any real marketable job skills you know, like what, what kind of entry level job am I going to get at 51? I'm not, you know what I mean? So that's, those are the demons that I, that I'm, I'm battling that, you know, for the next eight years of fat man chronicles, you and I can discuss, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I relate to it, right. Because I just quit my job too. It wasn't too long before COVID. I mean, I've been doing some consulting, but again, not purpose. Right. And I mean, I loved wine still do, um, But it wasn't, I agree with you. Like I never, it was never like, it was a passion in a different way. It it didn't fulfill, it didn't scratch the itch of like, what am I, what am I here for? And so kind of to, to bridge that gap, I mean, here we are on the precipice of starting a training cycle for Chicago Marathon. Mm. Is part of doing this, is part of this for you? trying to seek out purpose or have the time to find the purpose. In a way,
1: I I don't think Chicago initially for me was just trying to get back. I have three friends who are in a huge breast cancer battle, right? And I feel super bad that I complain about all this first world stuff. And, you know, I shouldn't be complaining about anything with being a woman, a wife, a mom. Uh, and they, uh, they all have multiple kids. Right. Like I cannot fathom that battle. And I've been raising money for cancer research, as you know, since 2011. And I hadn't done anything. For the uh, last year, year and a half, and I really wanted to do something, and that was just the way. Like, hey, I can get a benefit out of it by running a marathon again, and accomplishing something, and while raising money for them. So, and and I think Chicago had many great benefits for me in the long run, right? Like I miss. I miss the camaraderie of running. I miss the community of running that I had through team and training. And I miss, I haven't set a goal and accomplished that goal in a long time.
0: I, I guess that's why I was asking like, if this would help with finding purpose, because if your purpose is to raise money, you can raise money. You don't have right, to right, run a right. marathon, right? You could raise the money, never get on the plane to Chicago and mm-hmm. and move on with life. Why why bother doing the race? Like, is it is it that camaraderie? Is that the biggest piece of it?
1: You know, no. I want it because there's no community here, right? We don't meet every. I should say there's no community here. When I first ran team and training, you ran with your local chapter, and every Saturday we'd get together. I really want. To set a big goal and accomplish that. I haven't done that in such a long time that I want to do that for myself, right? Like every year I make Braden pick a goal. Like for his for specifically for sports, right? What what do you want to throw next year? What distance? And every year he picks this crazy big distance that one year, literally, he was the only person who believed he can do it, and he did it. And last year, he did it again for this year, and his coach was like, I think that's too big of a goal, but you proved me wrong last year. I don't think you can do it. And he will he did it yesterday, right? And his first meet isn't for three weeks from now. So I see, I don't, I see the pride that Brayden has setting a goal and accomplishing that. I haven't had that in so long. And part of initially, I used to love when people tell me that I can't do something. And then when you accomplish doing that, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Well, no one tells me I can't do anything anymore. Like I'm a 51 year old man. If I say I want to do this, no one's going to say, well, you can't do that. That's crazy. Right? Cause everyone says, oh, if you want to run Chicago, run Chicago. But for me, I can't run two miles right now. Right. So, for me to say, Hey, I want to run Chicago, that's setting that big goal that I, I want the journey of battling back from 300 pounds and can't run two miles to crossing the finish line and having a Pequods, you know. <laughs> so, afterwards,
0: have you set your goals yet? For, for Chicago, do you have... I mean, a lot of marathoners set a, kind of A, B, and C goals, right? Like You know... But have you set anything? I've always
1: said, Like, I would love a sub-five-hour marathon, right? Which is not that difficult. It's only a 12-minute mile.
0: Not that difficult. <laughs> it's if extremely tra- difficult. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you train and you do all things right, a 12-minute mile marathon is not when i say it's not difficult it's it is difficult right when i say it's not difficult it, it in my mind it takes work the difficult part of that for me is doing the training i've run nine marathons i've only done a 20 mile run once right i've oh. i've suffered through marathons where my longest run was 10 miles right so i don't I'm not gonna set any goals for the marathon specifically, other than to do the training, not miss the training and to finish and to enjoy it as much as I can okay. right yeah, So I think that's the important like I don't do I wanna lose weight? yes. Do I want to run the whole thing? Yes. Will I run the whole thing? Probably not. Right. Chicago can be super hot. The year that I ran Chicago was the second hottest marathon in the history of the race. Like it was it was a death march from mile 13 to the end, right? It could
0: also be perfect out. It could. Right? You know
1: what I mean? Like in Chicago is there's that bleak part of Chicago Run like the first 12 miles, you're running through all the neighborhoods and through downtown and it's a beautiful race. There's two million people on that race course. The first 12 miles you have you're in like la la land. It's awesome. And then you get to the south side and the west side for uh, I think it's like uh, 13 to 23 ish. And there's not that much crowd support out there. There's not that much cover. The sun was beating down on you. And, it you know, that's the hardest part of the race, not to have that motivation. And then when you get to Chinatown, then you get all the dragons and the drums, and it's all exciting, you know what I mean? So I just want to enjoy – Chicago's my hometown. I lived there for a long time. My family's been in the city since the early 1900s. And I really just want to go back and enjoy my city that I don't get to very much. So I don't really have any specific like goal times or anything like that when it comes to the merit. I'd like to do a full training, which I've never done before. I want to have fun and I want to be able to um, just enjoy the city. And um, look, we talk about health and wellness, the gluttony that's going to go on when I'm finish that marathon for a day and a half is just going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be that'll be fun. First, I think a I think a sub 5 marathon is under 11 and a half minutes per mile. So just I mean, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but 30 seconds look, a mile over 26 miles is like a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. My first marathon was like uh I think it was 6:51 or something like that. So yeah, my I first mean, you, Disney
0: yeah. You could be out there. Right. So, I mean, I, I like the fact that the, the goal sounds like the process is the goal. First of all, mm-hmm. do the training, lose the excuses, right? Part of that is going to be doing all the other pieces. Cause this is where I'm at, man. Like it's all the other pieces that go along with running. You've got to do other pieces of strength training you've got, like for me, my hips get bad, so like which makes my back bad. Like a lot of people don't know, lower back problems a lot of times come from your hips, right? Hips and mm-hmm. glutes. So I've got to do a lot of squats, hips of death, uh, kind of stuff to keep that strong. Because you, in order to do the training in full, you've got to stay healthy, right? right? We're not small people. So <laughs> to stay healthy, you've got to do the hard work in yeah. between each run. And then lose the excuses, you know, for the runs. If you can't get out there, you got to find a treadmill. If you can't get on a treadmill, then you've got to find a track. You've yeah. got to you got to find a way to get out there. You could switch around runs, but you can't skip a lot of runs. And oh, yeah, and I do it. And you can't go all week without running barely, and then go do the long run because God forbid you miss a long run—that's how you get injured, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I know, do. It.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you've done that too.
1: Oh mm-hmm. yeah, Pete. I have so many excuses not to. To uh, I, I do so much math when it comes to training. Like if I don't do it today, I can do. I can put a mile here. I can put two miles here. Right? Uh, I, Coach's I nightmare. Am, yeah, I am. Well, tr- trust me. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I've never listened to a coach in my life. But I <laughs>
0: uh, think your son does.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's because look, don't, (laughs) don't do as I did. You know, do as I say, kind of thing. It, but he, or not he, that's what I want to accomplish out of this race. Is I've never, right? I just picked up a training plan because I, I went, I just googled beginner half marathon plans, right? So I figure if I can do. I think my Chicago official plan, you texted me the other day, we have 33 weeks.
0: Yeah, right? I think 32 now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if I can do like a basic half marathon training plan from now till April, then I'll be in, I'll have that good base to start my marathon, right? Because you kind of build and I'll end up going back a little bit. So I just Googled a basic training plan and I think it was women's running magazine oh this is good yeah so it and it's a um i'm not a big fan of the run walk thing but i'm letting my ego out the door on this one and it's a run walk run one minute uh walk two minutes for 30 minutes is my first day and that's what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna it's a three-day program with two days of cross-training and I picked out my cross training little program on the bike on the Peloton. And my goal and what I want to do is enjoy this process and check off the training calendar and not make excuses of why I'm not going to train today. Love it. Which I'm the king
0: of. Yeah, no, I right? get it. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, the process that it's interesting you say that because coming into this, my goal has shifted to the process also. The process is the goal. Completing Mm -hmm. the process is the goal. And the outcome of that, I would like to be... uh, So I'm in the same boat. Like, I I really want that sub-five-hour, you know, marathon. And I don't know if Chicago is it or not, right? Mm -hmm. But I can tell you I'm going to train like it is. I'm Mm going to put... I'm going to work my butt off. And... And
1: Go ahead. I was going to say, if we just master the process, then after this, there's no limits anymore, right? Like, I want to do a dopey, and if I can master this process, I'm not going back to Disney. Like, me and my uh, Disney community are, are going to do it virtually, and, and we kind of set up this cool little thing that we're going to do for that. But if I can do this process, then I could check off that revenge for Dopey, right? I've got a couple small triathlons this year. Maybe next year I can go bigger and think about doing a half Ironman or going to Badger and doing a 50 miler or 100-mile uh, race, which you know getting on the Badger Trail is a huge goal of mine too. But if I can't accomplish this, and I say little, I don't mean little, but if I can accomplish this process with Chicago, then there's so much, the opportunities are so great beyond it.
0: Yeah, I think the key is that you, if you can come to love the process itself, then mm-hmm. the process will continue. It's the process has to be never ending. Mm-hmm. You're going to have lulls in the process because recovery is part of it, right? But you'll stop, my guess is, and I, is you you have a similar thought process to me in that we don't want we don't want the process to stop because we don't want to be unprepared again. Being unprepared for a race sucks.
1: Yeah, and and it's, it's not even the race now; it's life, right? Yeah. If yeah. I if if I don't fix the process, and you and I like, I'm going to get my blood work soon. Now the marathon and the process is us at 51 with young kids and. Where are we going to be in 20 years, right? Right. So that's what this is all like, that symbol. And I got, I pound in the Braden every day, enjoy the process, and you got to get, just you got to do the grind, right? I got them this book. I think it's called um, Chop Wood, Carry Water, How to Fall in Love with the Process and the Grind and the kid's 12 years old. He's out throwing 3 days a week in 20 degree weather all winter, right? I I created that kid. I got to create that in me again. Like it used to be there when everyone told me that I couldn't go to boot camp or I couldn't finish the fire academy because I'm afraid of the dark and claustrophobic and afraid of heights and I accomplished that. I this process is about finding myself again
0: so as part of this process i mean i mean it's got to be accountability right i mean you're you're on this podcast so there's going to be some accountability oh yeah because i'm (laughs)
1: i'm going to be embarrassed as crap if i don't do this race now
0: (laughs) well right because it will be
1: nine months of the
0: guys full of crap Well, but I I think we would know well before the nine months, right? Like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking day-to-day kind of accountability stuff. Are you on Strava, Garmin, any of those things? I I was on Strava, but I
1: switched to Koros, and Koros doesn't link with Strava, so I'd have to put it in manually. How does
0: Koros... I mean, so much of the community has gone to Koros. How does it not right. like with Strava?
1: Maybe I'm just dumb, but like, if you go, like, that's a into separate my, subject, Dave.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right.
1: But I haven't. You, I can still manually put right. it in and all that stuff. And uh, of course, like you could track me on Peloton too, and all that. But maybe yeah. that's just you know, Dave's post of the day is what did you he can, do? What did what did Dave do today?
0: I can. Uh, <laughs> I can send you the link of how you link Koros to Strava. I guess oh, my, my, my point is <laughs> I want to take that excuse away from from you and I want you to take excuses away from me. Like yeah. I want to see what you're doing day to day, not to criticize, but to, to encourage. I wonder like, if we could do an FMC Strava group. already exists. It does? Yeah. Yeah, James Latcher set that up some time ago. So there's already a small FMC Strava group.
1: I'm um, going to have to look that
0: up. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, look, I, I know I'm kind of putting pressure on you here, but. I, no, reason, but I like that. The reason is, man, I just, I want to see what you're doing and I want each other, I want you to call me on my BS and I'm going to call you on it. Like we need mm-hmm. that kind of accountability and it, it's not that you, you can never skip a training run. That's stupid. Right. Like we're not perfect is the enemy of the good. I said it earlier. I'm going to say it over and over again. But we got to be pretty darn good. Right. If you make 90 to 95% of your training runs, you're going to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I need a coach for that. Like I'm different. Like, did you get? uh, So, two things. I I want to rephrase that I don't need a coach. I know that I will do better if I have a coach, right? So I've worked with Andy is, you know, from Silver Fox for years. And, uh, Andy has had some, some things that have put too much on his plate. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know Andy pretty well and consider him a friend, right. As, as well as a coach. So I made sure that he knew that I was okay, that if you got too much on your plate, I don't want to add to your stress level. Like, I, I don't want that at all. Mm-hmm. So um, I hate to call it a breakup talk, right? Because it's not that, right? <laughs> it's not you. It's me. <laughs> right. But I wanted to make sure he knew that he had permission from me, right? Like a uh, an understanding from me that I get it. Like, it's okay, man. Like we, I think that our society puts way too much pressure on us to do everything and never say no. And hey, dog. Um, but the the bottom line is we need to learn how to say no. And I wanted you yeah. to know it's okay. And he took some time to think about it and came back to me and said, "How you know that he hates to do it?" But yeah, right now for him, he had too much on his plate. Like this mm-hmm. moment. In six weeks, he may not, and might, might, right. might be looking for new clients, and that's great, right? In the meantime, though, I'm going to search and talk to you know some other people for for coaching. Mm-hmm. I want that accountability, like and. I also I'm a data guy like I like data right so um, I want somebody else kind of looking at that data and helping me interpret it I'm not looking to optimize performance fully necessarily but I want somebody who is so that they can help me put stuff into perspective you know going in I think my goal is similar to yours like in terms of the process you know I want to complete the marathon but like I want to run this one. Like I last one I did with you know I've only done one other marathon. I did that with my buddy Rob Rob Bozovich. Mm-hmm. and it was such an enjoyable experience to run with somebody. Yeah, I wanted to go faster, but it just wasn't in the cards that day. I had some back problems, but I think it's because I wasn't doing enough other cross training and hips of death and such. And this one I want to run, and I want to, but I want to have fun, right? Like if it's if I go into it thinking like okay. Uh, four forty-five would be miserable. A uh, close to five is pretty good, but I could run this thing in five fifteen and feel great. I don't know what I'll you know, like I'll have to make that decision as we get closer. Yeah, uh, it might be I run it in five forty-five to feel great. I don't know. Look, I don't really I, care. Yeah,
1: I I don't care. It you know six uh, six hours is fine. Last time I ran Chicago. <laughs> I got beat by the full-term pregnant lady to uh, deliver two hours after she ran. Right, so I, I would just <laughs>
0: just keep trying like, to prove women are tougher than us.
1: A hundred percent, and I still I still get harassed and and uh not harassed razzled or whatever the word is that the forty-one-week pregnant woman ran a marathon yeah. faster than me. Now, this was like uh two thousand eleven, so I was still young and in my prime back then but uh i get coaching from team and training but it's all online and i never really wanted a coach per se because i don't listen but this one i think i need a coach that won't take my my crap and like excuses and like whatever dave look you're paying me you're gonna do this or are you not and uh when i ran disney A couple years ago, I was on the Diz Run podcast, and he does coaching. So I'm thinking about hiring him to be my coach because he'll be like, look, dude, are we going to do this or are we not going to do this kind of thing? And that's just another accountability because if I'm only checking in the training peaks, it's easy. You know, oops, I forgot my training peaks today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great that you're gonna, you know, seek out other accountability. We'll be accountable to each other too, you know. You'll go in with, you know, whatever you know, speed or goals you have. When you get to the race, will you have other TNT members to run with? Because I remember for me, that was like one of the big draws is there was always a huge TNT commit uh, yeah, contingent yeah, yeah. there to run with, right? I mean, I will know speeds.
1: It. Yeah, I'll only know them by the purple like shirt. Their- the purple shirt or the community and I, every race I always talk to team and training people because of the purple shirt and the coaches are on the course and the green. So if you're kind of having that like a uh, meltdown moment, then you can always like find that person in the green. Sometimes you don't want to talk to the person in green, right? You know, cause you're just in a bad place and they're like smiling, happy, having a great day. And you're just like, you know, get away from me. But uh so I really won't know any of them and um I'm not really big on running with other people like if we decided and we were on the same pace and we wanted to run together I would run with you because it would probably, you know, bring the race to a, a, another level but uh, I I I you're the only person I'm going to know in that race.
0: Yeah, I mean, I- I mean, we're going to know people just by default in some way, yeah. shape or form. Right. But you and, and Kevin are, are clearly, you know, the two people that I know the best coming in here. And I, like I don't run with people day to day and that's a different subject for a different day. Um, you know, we probably should wrap it up. This is our longest episode, but there's so much here. It's unpacked still. And I, I think talking more about, you know, a little like cutting kind of our, Hopefully we can kind of cut our food and health segment a little bit, talk a little bit more about training in these upcoming weeks as we start to ramp up. But I think racing together is something, let's tackle that on this next episode, because I hadn't, like I've thought about it, but I don't really mm-hmm. know how to think about it. But it's probably something we should we should chat yeah, about. Yeah, and we're both,
1: I don't like to run with people, but that's out of my own embarrassment because I'm slow kind of thing right like i don't want to hold someone back and uh i think if we did run together it would not be like a difficult conversation to be like hey i'm slowing down go ahead do your thing right and it would be a mutual respect like hey go do your thing kind of and i think it's tough now because we started this so so much earlier than the actual training so you know the like our weekly training talks are going to come and, you know, what did we do and how I felt on, you know, my six miler or am I doing tempo runs or speed work or hill work or any of that? Like all that conversation's coming. But I like these kind of like foundation stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that this is the stuff that gets skipped too often in these yeah. types of discussions on podcasts and, and life, quite frankly. And, you know, I would I would say to anybody who's kind of thinking about running a marathon, I mean, find a charity and come run Chicago with us. Like, and I'll tell you, somebody, if you're really, if you don't, if you think that you're too slow, one, you're not. And two, find a coach. I'm going to bring up Andy. I'll bring up Denise Sorial is another (laughs) great one, right? That understands all paces and has athletes at all paces, right? Yeah. And if
1: you run for a charity, you're going to get a program. You're and, gonna and, get a coach and a training program a hundred percent.
0: Might be Denise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> depending on which
0: one you go with, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean in her Marathon Whisperer book I think is great for somebody thinking about doing oh uh, yeah. Programs. So it's me and you and twenty six point two, I think. Yeah. Um especially
1: Chicago. If you're local, Chicago's yeah. probably got some amazing local charities that you can run. I know um uh is it Lauria Children's Hospital used to be uh children's memorial is Lauria. Now I know they have a, a marathon program and, um, I'm sure like,
0: uh, uh, Oh, pause does. If you want, that's if, who I was thinking of. If paws, you want to do like, it for animals, it's pause. If you want to do, uh, you know, look, if you're Catholic, old St. Pat's has, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. has a marathon team. The Morton Arboretum has a marathon team. Uh, they all i mean look Mer- mercy house has one yeah yeah like, especially for chi- chicago
1: yeah like yeah. that that should be our challenge you know instead of like uh, when uh uh the aspca comes out we need 3000 new donors right. in the next hour <laughs> pete and dave need 10 people to commit to running the chicago marathon in the next week pick a charity
0: <laughs> yeah and here all right so here's the, here's what i'm going to say to so the first, if, if three people, uh, up to three people, my wife's going to kill me up to three people <laughs> that, uh, decide that they're going to run this marathon and they're going to go do it for a charity. We will give you 300 bucks to your charity each for the, oh. up to three. I can, I can only afford so much, but three people will do $300 donation to each charity, uh, so if you've been thinking about it, you know you've got, and most of the time, you only have to raise like 1500 bucks only. Yeah. You got to raise 1500 bucks. So we're going to give but you 300 But that's a big chunk. Like that's, 300 bucks. That's, that's 20%. big. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> so that's 20%. So we're going to throw that out there because I just want to see more people accomplishing this goal, right? Like I had a friend at that dinner kind of, you know, flippantly say, oh, I'd love, love to run a marathon. And, and, you know, you could see that like, he, I wanted to, like, dive in, like, hey, you can do it, right? We're in a crowd. But at some point, I'm going to take the guy aside and be like, hey, you can do this. Yeah. Like, you could start on a two- or three-year path to, you know, running a marathon. Um, it's
1: It truly is life-changing if, uh, if you can do it.
0: Yeah, that's 100%. Sti- that's stealing the MTA, uh, Marathon Training Academy tagline.
1: Yeah, right? I love her. She lives, that, like, an hour and a half from me now.
0: Oh, Angie and Trevor do?
1: Yeah, yeah. They live in uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is not too far from me.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't I, mean, uh, I didn't realize it was that close. That's fantastic. Well, you know, Trevor, well, you probably remember Trevor was on the show. Um, you know, I interviewed him at one point. Yeah, for I haven't eight, listened
1: to well. them in a long time. I have to revisit them. I love that show. Yeah, yeah. She's but, uh,
0: fantastic. Uh, yeah, so when so they move,
1: Yeah. And, of course, uh, the Gomers was a big one. And I really, you know who I really want to hear from is John.
0: Yeah, John Harris. It, it looks like, you know, he may be getting closer to kind of coming back in a little yeah. different way, a different format.
1: Because um, he, he was, he's my intro into all this. And, you know, him and Randy and and the whole uh, Fat Man Triathlon and all that. Like, I, I, you know, I have a podcast obsession yeah. I listened to I didn't miss anything with John, and now that he's lost all that weight, I really want to hear John's perspective losing the weight, right? Yeah. And I, and I feel like I can't be happier for the guy. He really found something that worked for him, absolutely. And he's as far as I can tell, he's kept the weight off. And I really like you know I know he does a master swimming and all that stuff. I'd really love to hear where John is now. And I'm not as, is, is a big part of the Facebook page and all that stuff. So maybe he talks about it there. I don't know, but I'd love to to hear him talk again. So I hope he brings the show back.
0: Yeah. It looks like he's got an iteration, you know, coming uh, at some point, uh, not hopefully not in the too distant future, but you know, that's how I knew, you know, got to meet Rob, you mm-hmm. know, was as he was, John's co-host and, right. you know, Rob's become, you know, one of my closest friends uh, and has done a lot for me. So, you know, him and his wife, Heather and family, they're just fantastic people. And I wouldn't know if it wasn't for John starting that podcasting way back when. And, you know, it kind of all led led up to that. So, well, dude, we've been talking for over an hour and 15 minutes. So people are probably tired. It's of awesome. That. but Yeah, it's uh, way past
1: your time limit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to. We're going to sign out and uh, you can, you know, ask us questions and then let us know if you decide to sign up for Chicago and we're committed to, I'm committed, not you, I'm committed to doing some donating along with the. Um, oh, I'll donate too. Gretchen. So. Yeah,
1: my, uh, my big 19-hour baking week won't allow me to make that <laughs> bigger commitment, but I'll definitely add something to that.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, you've been listening to episode 132 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. You can find us on social media. Check out the show notes on how to contact us. Make a donation to Dave's Charity uh, for the Chicago Marathon. Other than that, remember to get out there and be better today. I was not hiding. I I'm sure. And I was really. Reading-